Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today joining me for a special story time episode for 237. I am joined by my regular co-host, Keaton DeRocher, and uh, blast from the past on this show, Brian Joyner, who you know from Over the Monster, and if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you know him from this show. What's up, BJ? Oh, that was an amazing story pun. I should have seen it coming. It is the it's it's gonna be there whenever we need it. <laughs> I'm glad you're on your game, your pun game as well. Um Keaton, what's up, dude? I'm feeling good, man. I feel like we we got a lot of stuff out of our system over the last week and now we're it's happy pod time. Yeah, you know, so this uh, this podcast comes on the heels of me writing like 2,000 angry words on Friday uh, <laughs> that I never am going to get to publish. So um, that was fun catharsis, but uh, that's a story for another day. The Red Sox did go out and do a thing, um, a big thing, too. Uh, they, they signed Trevor Story to a six-year deal worth $140 million. After the fourth year, uh, Trevor Story can opt out, but the Red Sox have the option to negate that opt-out by guaranteeing him for a seventh year at $20 million. Average annual value for this contract is $23.3 million. Um, you know, let's go with our guest first. Brian, um, what are your first impressions of this contract? I think it's the most important deal the Red Sox have signed. Free agent deal. 
that the Red Sox have signed since Manny Ramirez. Whoa. Um, yeah. Because with Manny, prior to Manny, no one, like no major free agent had willingly come to the Red Sox. And Duquette threw just enough money at him that he sort of couldn't say no. This is not that situation. This is a totally different landscape and a totally different management structure. But we have been waiting for Hyam Bloom to make a move like this since the moment. Not only have we been waiting for him to make this move, we were wondering if, not that whether he was capable of it, but having come from the Rays where they generally don't make this move, whether it was something he would ever do. And the fact... First of all, I think it's a very good contract. It's a very good idea for the Red Sox. It's a good deal. But beyond that, the idea that he is willing to do it, and like we've actually seen it happen now, is the reason I think that's it's significant, not simply for what it brings to the team right now, but what it means for this team going forward. They've been saying... That they've been, okay, they've not necessarily been saying they've been on bridge years, but they have been on bridge years. Um, and last year was just a very otherwise successful bridge year. This shows that that period is ending and the contending period is beginning. To me, that's what I think. So I'm, I'm yeah. as encouraged by this as I have been by anything in a long, long time. Now, I think you make a good point about, um, you know, signaling that contention window really opening up. And, you know, that's something Keaton and I were harping on last week. So, Keaton, I mean, is this enough of a signal to you that Bloom is now in that period of time where he is going for it? You know, he saw the team unexpectedly get two wins away from the World Series last year. And this was the year that we were earmarking for him to start adding to the team in a significant way. Is this that signal? Are you content with this? Yeah, for sure. And that was definitely where a lot of the frustration from myself was coming from, that the team kind of arrived a year ahead of time last year. Uh, but not only that, like nearly put themselves like over the edge into the World Series, which came so damn close. Uh, and then this offseason that you and I – all along had pegged as the off season where like big things were going to happen. Um, and spent a lot of our time on this podcast, defending high on bloom uh, from the, the listener questions as just kind of like, let's be patient. Let's see what happens. Uh, you know, here's where a lot of money comes off the books. Here's where things should happen. Uh, and we were just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. It was getting really frustrating watching other teams do a ton to their rosters to make themselves better. While uh, the fringe moves, that Bloom made prior to this, uh, I don't think really took a step forward. <laughs> so it was really frustrating to watch them be so successful. Us be really excited about this offseason and the potential of uh, what this full season could be uh, and to get to a point where we're basically down to like two free agents, right? And we're like, is this really going to happen? Are we not going to get any of them? <laughs> like this, yeah, this it, was, it was Conforto or or Story or pretty much nothing at that point. Because even uh, Jorge Soler, the ultimate consolation prize there, 
uh, had signed elsewhere uh, with a three-year deal. But yeah, you're, I mean, to, to your point, Keaton, this is the first contract that Bloom has given out that is uh, just by itself naturally longer than two years. I mean, the Barnes deal that he gave out has an option uh, for a third year, but he really just, he's he hasn't given out anything but ones and twos. And when I first saw the signing, I was thinking to myself like, okay, Story didn't like his market. He's just going to take a weird bridge deal for like a year or two. And I was convinced it was going to be that. So when I saw the money come in, I was like, oh, okay, this is a serious deal. Like he wants to be here for a long time. So Brian, I want to get back to your point though, about this is the biggest signing since uh, Manny Ramirez, because that's kind of a big thing to say. I mean, we've had Dave Dombrowski sign David Price to that massive contract. Um, We've had, you know, other, other free agents sign here over the last 15 years. I mean, is this really a bigger thing than the David Price signing? Yes. So the David Price signing was, I think, in the like flow of what the Red Sox team was at the time that Dombo took over. Like, I'm not talking strictly about the math because the math changes. Like, dollar amounts mean different things at different times. And... What the Manny signing represented, even if Duquette was gone shortly thereafter, was that the Red Sox were going to be a contender for the World Series. And it's easy to forget how actually foreign that was at that time. Like when in 99 they made the ALCS, it was like, yeah, but you're going to lose. And they did. And... I understand why younger fans take this for granted. But the point is that the Manny Ramirez signing kicked off, really kicked off the contending Red Sox team that we knew really until 2018. And they yeah. clear, they, cl- but, uh, sorry, just quickly, but they clearly shifted gears after that. And this is, Anyone who reads my columns on Over the Monster knows that this has been bothersome to me. This is the moment that things are opening back up, in my opinion, which is why, like, the single contract is not the biggest. It like, it's the price contract dwarfs it. But to me, it's the most significant for that reason. Yeah, I can get behind that. I, I, uh, you know, I'd have to look at it, but I think you're right. Most of the other big names that we think about when we think about the Red Sox over the last 20 years have come uh, via trade or, or, or something like that. So, yeah, it does make a lot of sense. And, and the Manny contract definitely signaled that they were serious about trying to chase down the Yankees and, and trying to do the thing. So, yeah, I, I like that uh, comparison quite a bit. Uh, story, though, clearly wanted to be here. He clearly um, you know, wants to be part of what the Red Sox are doing here, so much so that he was willing to sign with a team that is not going to play him at shortstop, at least initially. So let's get to that point. I mean, Xander's been very vocal, and Keaton, we talked about this last weekend, or last week, I should say, Um that Xander has been very vocal that he's the shortstop here. He was still at shortstop today. So, I mean, clearly 
it, it looks like he's going to be the guy and Trevor Story is going to be playing second base. Is that the right thing to do for this baseball team, considering Trevor Story has been a plus defender, like one of the better defenders at shortstop in baseball over the last few years? Or should Bogarts really be the guy to move here? Yeah, I mean, it's not particularly close either. Trevor Story is a significant upgrade as a defensive shortstop over Xander Bogarts. I mean, you and I have given Bogarts a lot of credit for being kind of like underrated a bit defensively. Um, I think he gets overlooked. He's not, he's not awful, but uh, certainly there are better options. Trevor Story is like one of the top three defensive shortstops in the game. So it's, it's like, there's a massive gap between these guys. Um, I wonder what, so initially, because this was something that we talked about on the last pod, uh, back on October, uh, Xander Bogarts had mentioned that he was fine moving off of shortstop if it was the you know in the best interest of the team long term, and part of keeping him in Boston long term uh, as part of an extension. And then his comments um, the day before we recorded were like the complete opposite of that, like. Guys have completely forgotten that I'm here. I'm a shortstop. And a lot of that kind of led us to believe that um, there had been like no communication between the two sides about what was going on, what the plan was, which is not a great move. We understand sports is a business, but a big part of business is, is managing relationships. And uh, Xander Bogarts being the face of this franchise, the, you know, the de facto captain of this team, um, that's someone who should be involved in uh, what the plans are for his future and not just kind of uh, deciding what his future is going to be in a boardroom. So if, if he said he was open to this and they brought him in and had a conversation and said, hey, listen, we have an opportunity to bring in a guy like Trevor Story who, you know, no offense to you, is a significant upgrade at the position. We'd like you to, you know, think about moving to second base. What do you think if we brought in a guy like him? And he was like, yeah, sure as long as it's part of an extension and then they worked out an extension, I'm sure he'd be fine. But it doesn't seem like that conversation is something that's happened based off of his, his talk. Cause I know part of it was a little bit directed at the media because he did, he, as he was having this conversation, did pull a, like a, a you guys forget that I'm here kind of thing and talked about like, you guys have to write your stories and, and part of that. So part of it was directed at the media, but I don't think, it was entirely like a media thing. It really felt like a shot at the Red Sox as well. That's like, um, you really got to take care of your own before you start taking care of others. And I've been completely forgotten uh, within and without kind of thing. And I think that just kind of boiled over his frustrations. So I think, I hope that this relationship or that that conversation isn't too far gone at this point. And maybe that's the way the season starts. And then at some point they have that conversation with him hopefully sooner rather than later and say, Hey, we'll give you the extension that you're looking for, but we really need you to move a second to make it happen. And I feel like he would be open to that, but I wonder if they don't have that conversation. I wonder if that means that they're not interested in the extension. Uh, Cause we haven't actually heard if those conversations have taken place yet. Uh, yeah, com what's coming out of his camp is that hasn't happened yet. That's so. that's the only way to have that conversation too, Keaton is to is to go at him and be like, "Hey, here's the bag of money. Will you stay with us long term, retire as a Red Sox, and move to second base?" And I think that that's definitely something that Cora and Bloom need to do because 
looking at the metrics from 2018 all the way to 2021, so the last four seasons, including the shortened season, uh, Xander Bogarts on Fangraphs is worth 26.2 uh, DEF. That's their defensive rating. Uh, Trevor Story worth 36.1, so significantly higher. He's actually fifth among shortstops during that time period. If we go to outs above average, which is another metric that uh, is is used, it's a stat cast metric. Um, Story is the 20th ranked defender out of everybody. And this includes like a whole bunch of guys that, um, you know, don't actually play the position uh, nearly as much as, as Story has. And Bogarts on that list is 38th. So uh, almost the worst on that list. And, and outs above average has always hated him. But, um, you know, all this is to say, I mean, Story's a plus defender at the position who's been extremely durable and Xander Bogarts has not. So, I mean, they got to go to Bogey with, with the bag of 200 million bucks or whatever and just, just get him to move this season. And I feel like Core is the guy to do that. Um, yeah. Brian, what's your take on on that? Do you think that, you know, that's something that Bogey would be willing to do? And, you know, let's, let's I guess, turn to Bogey here. I mean, what does this mean for him? And do you think that he's still a part of their plans? I mean, I've tweeted about this. And I've texted about it on the Dynasty League in which both of you are in and one of you actually participates in. That would be Jake Keaton. <laughs> and then, then my point is that, like, the, if Bogarts refuses to leave from shortstop, Xander Bogarts, number two, grew up idolizing Derek Jeter, would be following in his footsteps of refusing to move for a clearly better shortstop. The difference being that while Xander is probably a better player than Derek Jeter was, he does not have the... It's possible that he does not have the cachet that Jeter did simply by having won titles and playing in New York. But the situation works as such that like they, I mean, I think that their ultimate goal is to move Devers to first base anyway. So everything would work out swimmingly if Xander went third and story played short. However, I kind of don't care this year. Um, Devers is still at third. I think that Devers is the main factor in whatever happens far more than either of the other two guys um, because if you're putting story at second already you are sort of conceding the xander has to be like x bad for this to happen and i don't see him reaching that level but if third base opens up I feel like Xander moving to third instead of second is an ego hit that he could take. And I do agree with you guys, uh, or Jake, I don't know if both of you said this, that if anyone could get him to do it, it's Cora. And unlike like the Joe Torrey and Aaron Boone Jeter relationships that were deferential to like a fault. I could see Cora doing it 
I just don't expect that this year. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I don't know who has the better arm out of uh, out of Story and Bogarts. I'm not too keen on that at this point. Um, but I think an interesting thing that could solve all of these ills, if you are successful in locking up uh, both Devers and Bogarts long term, which I think you know all of us are on board with. Um, if you're able to do that while keeping story on your team, I think the move is probably um, moving Devers to DH uh, as soon as um, as soon as JD Martinez's contract is up, uh, shifting Bogarts to either uh, second or third, probably third in that instance. You'd have Casas at first base because he's actually a pretty athletic defender uh, over there, and then you'd have. You know, story at at shortstop, and then you know he plays there until Marcelo Meyer is mature enough to come up and take the the shortstop spot from Story. In which case, Story just moves over to second base. So um, that would be kind of the I think the easier path than you know trying to convert Devers to a first baseman. In my opinion, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I think you're. I think you're right on, on the on the uh, on the nose. I think when I was saying Devers to first, I was more meaning shorthand, not being at third. Right. And I think JD Martinez opting in has like cluttered the situation. But if if you like, eventually JD Martinez will not be on the Red Sox anymore. And when that happens, the younger guys, like the first base spot, is such a because of Cassis, Jake, trade him to me. Because of Cassis, <laughs> sorry guys, I had to get that in there. Uh, because of Cassis, like he, he, sh- you're right that Cassis should would should probably be first and endeavors at DH in the situation in which they're uh, both around. But JD having opting in just sort of pushes that down the road. You agree, Keaton? What, where are you on this? I'm not gonna lie. I was digging up some defensive metrics on the side. I missed the question. <laughs> what do you think is the the ultimate alignment there with uh, with these guys? You know, once uh, they do, if if they do eventually move Devers off of of third base, I mean, do you do you see him going to DH or do you see him going to first and pushing Casas to DH? Um. I mean, my gut tells me Devers to DH. Yeah. There. I think that's probably the play. All right. Well, we got approximately about 2,000 listener questions. So let's get right into these guys. Hold Um, on real quick, just because I I was trying to dig these up. You were looking at, or the numbers you were pulling, you were looking back to 2018, correct? That's right. Yep. So I just pulled defensive run saved from the fieldingbible.com leaderboard from that same time period. Uh, Trevor Story is fourth at 43, plus 43 total runs saved. Uh, The only ones ahead of him are Nick Ahmed, Carlos Correa, and Javier Baez. Uh, This is minimum 500 innings over that time period because, as you said, there's a bunch of randos that got... A bunch of scrub-a-dubs. Yeah, so minimum 500 innings. 
Uh, Xander Bogarts ranks last, 57th, at minus 26 in that time frame. It's not good. Okay, but just quick question. Is that bad? It's not good. Anytime you're last on a list, it's it's not ideal. But I think, you know, we all agree that that Bogarts passes the eye test, uh, making the routine play much more than he does with these uh, advanced metrics. So sure. I will always quibble with that. And I think that most people, I mean, you you listen to Cora talk about it. You listen to Joe Castiglione talk about it. And these guys have seen lots and lots of defenders over the years. And nobody looks at Bogartson is like, hey, that guy's a butcher. And that's what the numbers say. Sure. That's a gap of 70 runs saved, though. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of runs. I mean, if you if you take half of that, if half of that is true, it's still worth the switch. Correct. Yeah. yeah. All right. First question here comes from a great big lark. He says, do you think uh, Arroyo and Dahlbeck should try and learn playing outfield to increase their versatility? Both seem athletic enough, but easier said than done. Um, guys, I'll give my take on this first. I think it's always a good idea for uh, guys who are fringy on the roster. Um, and I think Dahlbeck could become fringy once Casas is ready um, to try and learn more positions. I think that um, Dahlbeck is not the guy you want to try to do it. I think Arroyo is because Arroyo has shown that he can hit well enough to maintain a spot on a decent team. And, um, I mean, Bobby just seems to me like our our sweet home run hitting corner infield boy. And I don't want to confuse him. But I feel like like Arroyo can do it is the idea. What do you think, Keats? Yeah, I don't think... Dahlbeck is the one to do it. Arroyo would make more sense, but I'm also I don't think we need to try and force these guys into at bats either. Like I think they are um going to fit into like their bench roles in short order. Like I I mean I guess Dahlbeck still has a little bit of a chance to maybe carve out a little bit more, but I the lights kind of dimming on that. Uh, with all of these other moves that they're making. So I, I don't think we necessarily need to do that. Uh, of note, though, Roster Resource already has Christian Arroyo listed as an infielder outfielder. So Nice. There you go. Yeah, Maybe they're yeah. already in the works. He's definitely going to start taking some reps there. Um, not sure if that's going to happen with Dahlbeck right away, but you know, certainly want to remind everybody Dahlbeck has the arm uh, to play in the outfield. He uh, was a pitcher in college. He closed games. So, um, nasty, nasty arm. All right. Next question from a great big lark, um, says, I still want Bogart's endeavors extensions. Uh, but if they do this, knowing ownership's desire to get into the CB2 er CBT every two to three years, how much would it hurt their chances at a big outfielder or a starting pitcher, uh, free agent signing in the next couple of years? Um, none, none whatsoever. So using yes. my handy dandy favorite website, Botrack. <laughs> Uh, 2023, the Red Sox taking Xander Bogart's 20 mil out because we're then assuming that he'll be extended with a new contract. The Boston Red Sox have $85 million committed in salary for 2023. So uh, extending Devers and Bogart's 
brings them to like 130. There's would, still plenty of cash for them to do all sorts of things. I would say it's a little bit more than 130, but I agree with you. Yeah, there's plenty of money. There's a lot of guys coming off the Red Sox books. And I think that especially with how much Bloom has beefed up this system, there's a lot of guys also coming um, who are going to be pretty affordable. Um, and, you know, you, you got to think that they're going to be able to massage this the right way. I mean, this is this is the whole reason why Bloom was brought in is to plan out stuff like this so you can have the big ticket nice guys on the team and also the young guys not getting paid a lot of money who are going to contribute so yeah i don't actually see it as a problem at all i think this trevor story contract is quite reasonable actually yeah i mean they can extend those guys and still basically have a hundred million dollars to go into free agency and arbitration with and that i mean they can reshape the entire roster at that point (laughs) yeah totally agree um, next question comes from CT, uh, the game. Uh, he says, huge signing. I can't even be happy. All it does is make me nauseous about Bogarts leaving. Uh, now I have to think about a Devers extension and a Bogarts extension too before I can celebrate. Um, Brian, we talked about this last time we were on, Keaton and I, about what we think uh, is going to happen with Devers and Bogarts extensions. Give us your feeling on this. Do you feel like extensions with both players get done eventually, or do you see that, you know, the emergence of of you know them signing Story and uh, Marcelo Meyer having his stock so high, do you think that you know there's a a, a risk that they don't get a deal done? I think that there is a better chance that Rafael Devers never leaves the Red Sox, then Xander Bogarts never leaves the Red Sox. Because I think that, especially related to what we're talking about, Xander's deficiencies at playing a premium position, um, the fact that he can play the premium position can put his value at a premium to any team that is looking through rose-colored glasses to sign somebody and is willing to pay top dollar. The difference between Xander and Devers is that Devers's skills are so straightforward apparent. And Bloom, though cheap as fuck, is not stupid. If he has to choose to sign anybody to a long-term contract, it's going to be the one. Like, Xander's a good hitter. He's and can be a great hitter. He's there's no shade to Xander at all. But Devers is incredible and still very, very, very young. I suspect that the target will be Devers. And that Xander could stay or might not stay. But I strongly suspect that Devers will not leave the Red Sox. Keaton, have you changed your mind at all uh, since the Trevor Story signing? On Xander getting an extension? Yeah, on, you know, wanting to keep Xander. No, no, I still do. And I think... um, 
You know what I talked about at the top of the show where I think the right thing to do is to come with an extension and be like, hey, we want you to be here, but we want we want it to be at second base. Uh, would you do it for us? And if he's not willing to concede that, then um, I think I'd be okay with him going elsewhere. Um, it would suck, but I think I'd rather have Trevor Story's defense um, at the premium position. It just doesn't make sense to uh, extend Bogarts and keep him at shortstop and get inferior defense just to, to keep him happy at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Brian that Devers is the more important extension. Um, I thought that was the case before the story signing. And it's definitely the case now after there was a little bit more urgency because you had two years left with Devers versus one year left with Bogarts. Um, so I, it, I figured if one was going to come before the other, Bogarts was going to come before Devers, but uh, Devers was still the more important one to get done between the two. Uh, now, I don't know. Maybe Devers might come before Bogarts, uh, given the story signing, but I think Devers is the more important between the two. I'd still like to see both get done, though. Yeah, I want to see both get done as well. I will say, though, that I think that both of these contracts are going to be very difficult. Um for Bloom to get done. And I think that part of that is because of the deficiencies that both of those players have defensively. And I think that they're going to be seeking contracts that are near the top of the market uh, for their positions. And I think that Bloom is going to be fundamentally against giving them top of contract money for third base and shortstop because they they aren't very good at those positions defensively. Uh, and and I don't have confidence moving forward that Devers is going to, you know, continue to improve as he gets older at third base. And I don't, you know, I don't know if you want to pay a DH $250 million. You know, I don't know if you want to pay uh, a guy who's never played second or third base in, in Bogarts $200 million. Um, I I do because I like the players and I believe in the bats, but I think these contracts are going to be very difficult and very contentious, and I'm not sure that they both get done. And I think that you know this um, this signing of Story definitely does kind of give Xander that ultimatum. I think if he comes back here, it's not as a shortstop now, and if he's not willing to do that. pains me to say, but yeah, I think he probably has to go elsewhere at that point. Yeah. I don't think both get done. I like, I, I, at this point, I I think it's one or the other. And the reason I think it's Devers is I don't think it has anything to do with defense. Whereas with Xander, it sort of necessarily does. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll see. Uh, Next question comes from house of Kuzu. And he says, now uh, that a big move in the lineup is made, how about trading for Manaya? And Trevino will be cheaper than getting Frankie Montas, and it would fix our rotation and give us a late-inning reliever that we need. Uh, any of you guys like the idea of Manaya and Trevino? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Or Montas. I don't care. Either one. Either one is yeah, great. I'm good with either. I don't know. I'm not, I, I did some research on Manaya um, before the season. I'm not thrilled with him. I'd be a lot happier with Montas. Um, and Trevino, I just don't think is a good enough uh, reliever to go out and 
put a bunch of resources in. So I'm actually kind of not big on Mania and Trevino, but would pay up to get Montas if it made sense. That's fair. I just do have to say that that Mania perfect game against the Red Sox, I watched that shit start to finish, and that was just like, you could tell within five batters this guy was on another plane. And yeah, I've seen the Red Sox kick his ass since then, but I think I think fondly of him because of that. So yeah, he's still, got a pretty curveball. He really he's got the lefty pretty curveball that like he's got the Zito, you know. What are you yep. gonna do? But we have Pavetta's pretty curveball already, so you know. We can't get too greedy, can we? We can. And we will. <laughs> Good answer. All right. Next one comes from Sox Thoughts. He says if the Red Sox re signs Xander to a big money under the assumption he moves, which is preferable? Third base with Rafi, uh, to DH post JD. That's what I was kind of thinking about. Or second base freeing up downs in York. Uh, for trades to get pitching. Um, I know that York has been getting some work or they've been talking about getting York some work in left field just because the defense at second base is already kind of fringe and the bat is coming along super duper fast. Uh, I don't want to trade York at all. I am I'm fully down with the Rafi to, to DH thing post JD. How do you guys feel about this situation? Yeah, there's, I mean, this kind of ties into a question we're going to get to later, but uh, York is 19 and he's about to turn 20 and has yet to play above a ball. So I am not worried about where he fits into a roster until he is gotten at bats in high A and is about to break through. And then when that happens, then you find a place for him to fit. You just you figure it out. Until then, I'm not worried about it, but I'm also not trading him. You'll just figure it out when when you're forced to. Uh, downs that one makes uh, is a little bit more urgent because he's kind of there and ready to break through. Uh, this to me makes him expendable. I'd rather move him to go get some pitching. Um, but I also think that um, I'm kind of down with like both of these moves, like move move Bogarts to second and also Rafi to DH post JD. Yeah, and then just find someone for third, kind of deal. Yeah, I'd be fine with that, too. Where are you at with this, Brian? I think that York is a better prospect than Meyer. Whoa. Yeah. Hot take. It's a hot take. So I'll just quickly get into my reasoning. My reasoning is that, like, half of the best prospects – in baseball are shortstops and people dream on the shortstop aspect of it. And it comes true like 20% of the time. And what I like about York is that his skills are not tied to his position. They're tied to his hitting strictly. And ultimately, except for in rare cases, it's the hit tool that carries the prospect. And I think it's better than Myers. Now, if Meyer just hits in a Bobby Witt Jr. type way, which he won't, but if he did, things would be different. But I think that Meyer is the shiny new thing and York 
people talking about trading York. I don't think have paid a lot of attention to the way High and Bloom has operated. Because, yeah, he'll trade anybody. But he won't trade the best guys. Because the best way to build a team is by just drafting the best players. I don't think he's going to trade Meyer either, frankly, because I realize that I am not the Cosmos, in my opinion, on Meyer versus York is in the minority. But the point is that those guys are close, or at least on the top echelon of prospect lists, and especially with York getting higher and higher. Um, that is not how I expect them to operate. Everybody else available. Downs, like... Downs has been traded three times already, I think. Um, and yeah, I could totally see it happening again. But uh, I don't see it happening with uh, with York. Did you also uh, just bust out that the best way to have a good team is to have good players? <laughs> no, I just, I just, um, it's not that I busted that out. It's like, I've been, work <laughs> I've been working on that for a long time. <laughs> and, um, and I just felt like now, since I'm on your podcast, it was the time to unleash it. All oh, right. Well, I will agree with you, Brian, on the fact that I think York definitely has the uh, the higher floor uh, than Meyer. But I think if everything clicks with Meyer, he is uh, definitely the better prospect. But both of these guys, I mean, basically universally rated as top 20 prospects. So... Yeah, uh, both good. Both I want to keep here. Um, next one comes from uh, Angel Rondon, and he says, are you okay with JBJ running out there in right field right now, or do you feel like they still need someone else out there? No, I'm not okay with JBJ uh, running out there every day in right field. He's an elite defender, yes, but he was the worst bat in baseball last year. A team that was two wins away from the World Series Cannot run out a guy who was the worst bat in baseball every single day. That's insane. Yeah, I'd rather put Verdugo there uh, and get Duran every day at bats, consistent at bats, and just let him figure out major league pitching and see what you can get out of him um, in left, and then use Jackie Bradley Jr. in late innings as a defensive fourth outfielder. I feel way better about that. Yeah, Jake, I was really happy that you answered that question because I knew what you thought. So I was hoping you were not asking it really and we're just asking it rhetorically because I agree with you. No, no. JBJ is a great fourth outfielder, period. Yep, he's a, he's a World Series caliber fourth outfielder. That is what he is. So hopefully that's what he ends up being for us. Mikey Donuts asks us a very enthusiastic question in all caps. He says, what's going on with the elbow? Is six years too long for someone with an injury or are we overhyping the elbow? Whoa. Um, Mikey, calm down. Um, I don't think we're overhyping the elbow. What do you guys think? No, I'm good. Um, I'm good. Yeah, same. <laughs> I'm also good. I think it's fine. <laughs> Uh, and, and I believe, uh, Gordon 
Comstock replied to him and said, sir, this is a Wendy's, uh, which was yeah. the correct response. Um, so I mean, he yeah. returned like a month later. From that. Yeah, I'm and not then, worried and about then, And then there was still like three and a half months left in the season. So. Yep. And also the throws from second base are not the throws from shortstop. So if you're worried about the elbow, he ain't making those throws this year. Next question comes from Ale. And he says, if you extend Xander, is Meyer expendable? Or do you see the timing playing out with Story's opt-out or maybe a Story trade? I mean, guys, we talked about this. Meyer is not expendable unless you are getting like a really, really freaking good major leaguer in his prime back as a return. Yeah, can we just talk about this positional thing here for a minute with prospects? First off, Marcelo Meyer is 19 years old. He just turned 19 three months ago and has 91 professional at-bats. By the time he's ready for the major leagues, both Bogarts and Story might not even be on the team anymore. Bogarts could be gone in a year and Story could opt out and the Red Sox could let him go. And then Marcelo Meyer could be your everyday shortstop. Like... Just because there's two, we have two people playing the middle infield at the major leagues right now does not mean that they will be there in four years. And when Meyer is ready, maybe it's a shortstop. Maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's at second base. And maybe Story is at short. Maybe Bogarts is at third, like we've talked about. They'll find a place for him to play. The talent, you're not getting rid of the talent. And you'll figure it out when he's ready. Let's not get crazy with the prospects now. Yeah, I mean... I agree. If Chaim Bloom is not Dave Dombrowski, and even for Dave Dombrowski to trade their one or like you could argue like two best prospects at the time for Chris Sale, it was for Chris Sale. And they won a World Series. But and he, he made but, the right decision on the prospects too. Right. Yeah. But right, but the but my point being that like to trade the top prospect in baseball ish which I could see Marcelo Meyer getting to in a couple of years. You need to be getting back like the best possible option. So it's like, is he expendable? Like, no, of course not. But neither was, neither were really Kopech and Moncada. Like you think about them in different orders now, but like, but it's Chris Hale. So, like, when Chris Hale's available, pretty much everyone's expendable. Um, so, no. Marcelo Meyer is not expendable. And especially not for high and blue. Yep. I agree. Uh, next question comes from Angel Rondon. And he says, what happened to Jeter Downs? Uh, I'll, I'll address this one very quickly. Um, Jeter Downs didn't play in 2020 really in the shortened year um, and had a lot of struggles at AAA last year. He had last played in AA uh, with the LA Dodgers and kind of made his Red Sox debut at AAA. Uh, Over 405 plate appearances, his strikeout rate jumped from nearly 18% in 2019 in AA to 32.3% in AAA and was just overwhelmed for most of the year and I think he he suffered from confidence issues so I'm not sure that um, we should overreact 
to what Jeter Down did last year. I think when you get going that bad for so long, things kind of spiral. I would look for him to bounce back this year. I'm not overly concerned that uh, Jeter Downs is like all of a sudden a non-prospect or anything like that. Well, this was a forward-looking happens, not a backwards-looking happened. Ah, well, I think he goes to AAA and regains some of his value. What do you guys think? I agree. I think that actually he um, he may have tipped his hand, so to speak, that he'll never be um, a superstar, which everybody dreams about every prospect. But I think his all-around baseball talent will win out and he will have a decent career in some role. He won't be great. Maybe he's terrible, but I doubt it. I think he's like... He's going to be a rank and file major leaguer. That's that's my thought. I think he goes to AAA and gets his confidence back, like Jake said, and then gets traded for pitching at the trade deadline. I'd be good with that. Be happy for all parties. All right, next one comes from Ale. He says, "Is Tanner Houck ready for the rotation? I kind of wanted him there since last year. Hopefully, he lasts the whole season." Um, Keaton, I know your answer. You believe in him in the rotation? I sure um, do. But, Brian, I don't know your answer. What do you think about Tanner Houck? you think he's a rotation guy or a bullpen guy eventually? If he's not a rotation guy, who the fuck is? Sorry. Sorry, people who are afraid by the word fuck. Oh, shit, I did it again. Uh, No, I mean, like, I would hope he's in the rotation. I I don't... If he's not, I mean, okay. But I, I... that's where I want to see him. Yeah. I mean, I hope that the splitter works out for him as a third pitch. And as Keaton said last week, I hope he throws it more. Um, and if he does, that's great because he has the the fastball and the slider and the the size and the durability to be, uh, uh, you know, every, every fifth day starting pitcher. Um, so that's where he'd be most valuable. And, you know, I'm hopeful, um, but ultimately, if he's not, I think he's an absolute lights out uh, reliever. So I'd be I'm going to be happy with both outcomes. But I think for the, the betterment of the roster construction of this team moving forward, uh, we want him in the starting rotation. And it looks like he might get a crack there at the beginning of the year because uh, Chris Sale is dealing with a broken rib. So, wow, we buried that lead, too. We didn't even mention oh, yeah. that at all. Because that uh, happened yeah. the next day. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris Sale, by the way, not going to start the season. Uh, so, that sucks. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a thing. Um, <laughs> next question comes from CJ Roberts. He says, what does this mean for X Endeavors? Would it make sense to move X to second? Story is supposedly the better defender. Um, yeah, we addressed that. So, I'm going to just go past that one. Uh, Kyle Bowman has the next question. He says, will the adjustment of moving to second be a comfortable, doable option? Or is there truth to a rumor of playing in left field? Um, That's interesting because I believe it was the Rangers who were interested in story for left field. Um, He's certainly athletic enough to play out there. I don't know if you want to play Arroyo every day. Um, you know, at, at second base, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he played some games 
in left field, and I know he's never played anywhere except for shortstop. So, um, but I think staying on the dirt is probably the most likely thing. How do you guys see this playing out? Yeah, him at second base is by far the better lineup because if he's in left field, then is that that means that Arroyo is at second or Enrique is going to move to second and then you've got a janky outfield situation going on with JBJ in center and nah, I don't like that. Well, wait a minute, but wait a minute. What if he's in the outfield and Enrique's in center and Arroyo's at second? Isn't that better than having JBJ in there? Well, because then Verdugo would be in right. Yeah. No, because I want Duran to get at bats. I also want Duran to get at bats, but what I'm talking about. How's he going to get at bats if he's on the bench? I don't know, Keaton. I haven't figured (laughs) it out. But my point. That's what I'm saying. I'd rather have, like, I I don't understand, or maybe I don't understand. I don't get why people, people seem to think that, like, Christian Arroyo is, like, way better than he is. It's like, because of Matt. He's Col- a utility guy. It's because be like Matt Collins' dealer. Photoshop of him on the Nomar Sports Illustrated uh, cover. That's what <laughs> it's because of. Um, shout out, shout out, our boss Matt Collins. Um, but I don't like as much as it's clearly not maximizing the value of your talent. Don't want story in the outfield. In theory. Not having JBJ get at bats is worth a lot. Yeah, and and it is possible too that we are being a little hard on JBJ simply because he had such a miserable stint in uh, Milwaukee. Because we have seen him be an acceptable uh, major leaguer here. I'm not going to tell you I enjoyed the Jackie Bradley Jr. at the plate experience over his time as a Boston Red Sox. I mean, he was one of the streakiest players I can ever remember uh, watching. But it is possible that he recaptures his playableness uh, and his, you know, frustrating streakiness and is just not a turd the entire year. I mean, his best season was the shortened season because he was able to time his hot streak for – the one month that the season lasted. Yeah. So if you can do that again, great. Yeah. He he's about the coldest and worst player I've ever seen though when he's going badly. It's yeah. just miserable. All right. Next one comes from the pizza man. Um he has brought us a question instead of a pizza. He says, Does this long term signing all but confirm that the Sox are expecting Bogarts to opt out and not have him return to uh, beyond 2022. Uh, We addressed that. We don't really think it necessarily means it, but I think we would all agree that it makes it slightly more likely uh, that a Bogarts departure happens. High and Bloom likes nothing more than options, and it just gives them more options. Well, he would love Ikea then. There's so many options. Precisely. Uh, Reynaldo Oreo has the uh, next one. He says, will Bogarts demand a trade? How will Boris manage his clients? Uh, 
Boris will manage his client for the best of his own interests because that's what Scott Boris does. But um, no, I don't see Bogarts demanding a trade. What do you guys think? Absolutely not. Like it, especially if you count the Boris aspect of it. I mentioned Jeter and Bogarts and like that. Bogarts can justifiably present himself as like the defining Red Sox of an era. Um, and yeah, there are other people who could say that they are that. But they don't play shortstop. And he does. And whether or not he actually wants to be with the Red Sox, the best thing that makes sense for him to make money is to say that he wants to be the shortstop of the Red Sox forever. I just think it's never been more clear that a player loves being a member of a team than Bogarts and being a member of the Red Sox. I mean, if we remember back to his contract negotiation with the Red Sox for the current contract that he signed that he can opt out of, um, he managed Boris, not Boris managing him. He was like, get the deal done. I want to be here. Um, and, and Boris got this particular deal done. So I think that Bogarts is going to do what he wants to do. Um, and that very well might be finishing his career in Boston. Boom. Tim Gage, next question. Uh, do his splits away from cores scare you at all? Referring to Trevor Story. No. And here's why. Because there's more than just batting average. So Red Sox stats had a tweet from earlier today. Um, if all of Trevor Story's batted balls from uh, 2019 had taken place in Fenway Park, he'd have hit 42 homers uh, in the 2020 season. The shortened season, he would have had 11. And last year, he would have had 38. Um. He is like tailor made for this ballpark. Plus, he's going to steal like twenty plus bags, double digit walk rate, nice looking strikeout rate. Uh, he is going to be a fine all around baseball player, even if his average is two fifty. You know, I didn't see that tweet from Red Sox stats because he blocked me over the smallest of beefs like four years ago. But sounds like a great tweet, Keaton. It was a nice little nugget. Yeah, I um, I didn't see that tweet. Um, not cause I'm blocked, but because I just didn't see it. Um, but, uh, I, I think story is going to be a monster here. Um, and yep. you know, it just, that right handed pull side power swing, the green monster is, uh, going to be in for a hurt this year with, uh, Trevor story. I think he's going to rip some really like obnoxiously, uh, hard, singles too that are just going to really frustrate us because like in any other park they'd be line <laughs> yeah. drive home runs and yeah. uh he's just he's going to leave a lot of damage in that wall this year and it's going to be hella fun very excited next question uh comes from jason he says do you see Haim giving bogarts a new deal if and when he opts out of his current deal sort of we've answered that a bunch of times but thank you for the question we appreciate it um johnny bartell has the next question he says what's the top priority now devers or bogart's extension seems to be where people's minds are going here and rightfully so 
I am in the minority here. You guys have said you both think the priority is Devers. I will say I I believe the priority is Bogarts still um, because of his importance to the team as a team leader and kind of defining the culture of this team. So, um, and I think the bats are a lot closer than maybe Brian does between these two guys. It sounds like. Uh, I mean, your love for Bogarts and this is extra podcast, extra everything. Your love for Bogarts. I know personally is, considerable let's just put it that way it is it's true i love this man and i want him to be a red sock forever and then i want him to be friends with me in real life so if if you're listening bogarts call me all right scott thibodeau has the next question he says what number is he going to wear uh any ideas guys what number uh trevor story will wear 69 Jack Mason's old number because he got traded from the Patriots. Uh, you know, we can't get into the Patriots right now, Jake. We don't have time for it. <laughs> Keaton, what's he going to wear? Wasn't uh, he 27? Was he 27 with the uh, the Rockies? Yeah. I'm going to say 37, uh, which was my lacrosse number freshman year of college. Okay, I'm going to tell you what he's not going to wear is number four. He's not going to wear number four. He's not going to wear number nine. (laughs) He's not going to wear number eight. I don't know. I think he'll probably stick with, uh, well, he can't wear 27 either. Um, No, I think that's the reason for the question. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) Shoot. Um, He can't wear two and he can't wear seven. And he can't wear 17. You can't wear 22. What about... What about uh, his birth year? Like 92 or something like that. Wherever, Whenever he was born. Peter Goober. A 72? Just flip yeah. it. Oh, there we go. Or 29. He could be 29. Sure. Yeah. All right. Enough with the numbers. Uh, Maddie has our next question. How do you see Story impacting the batting lineup? This is a really good question uh, about Trevor Story because he is that right-handed power bat that adds length to the lineup. Um, let's start with you, Brian. How do you see him impacting this lineup for this year? I mean, it certainly adds length to an already impressive lineup. Yeah, I mean, I have no complaints about that, and I have no complaints about how his stats translate, blah, 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 blah. The base level, Trevor Story is a very good baseball player. And when you add a very good baseball player to a team that already has a lot of good baseball players, especially hitting, that's a good thing. And this was going to be great. And like, I mean, this is why I say it's the most impactful thing since the Manny signing uh, it's on several different levels, but on the strictly on the make your team better level, it is like it's it's really 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 important, and um, I'm 
I'm excited for this team in a way that's probably more excited than I was even with last year's team in the playoffs because I partially because I'm just an asshole, but um, last year's team in the playoffs, I did not expect them to win the world series. I know they could because they were there and you have to get there to win it. But I, felt like they were playing a little bit above their head. I'm more excited for this team now than it was for last year's team in the playoffs because it just seems like it has more. Now, the range of outcomes is probably going to end up lower than where they finished last year, but I, I think that the top is higher, and that's that's really exciting. Yeah, I mean... I'm I'm super excited for Trevor's story. Um, I I think he's going to just really add another dimension to this lineup. And um, I mean, uh, right now looking at roster resource, they have him uh, batting in the fifth spot. Um, I would probably have him bat in the two hole. Where would you guys put him? I would like him at the two hole because something that we haven't really talked about a lot is his ability to steal a base. And that's not something that this team is particularly good at is is running the bases well and getting steals. Uh, And having that threat at the top, I think is a perfect fit for the two hole and letting him run wild and just do his thing on the base pass. I think that is something that particularly a base stealer of his caliber is something that this team hasn't had in a really long time. So I think not only does it impact the lineup just with his bat, uh, but his legs, I think, is going to have a huge impact just to what the the threat of, uh, you know, who follows him because he could end up on second and third and uh, stretch a bloop uh, single into an RBI single, you know, going from second to home or first to third or, uh, you know, stealing a bag and getting home. I think it, it's going to make things real dynamic on the base paths. And so I think it, it goes just beyond where he is in the lineup uh, and how his bat kind of fits in there. But I think a base sealer of his caliber is going to make things a lot more dynamic in the lineup as well. And I'm really excited to see it. That's Jaron Duran Risher, and I will not have it. Well, he didn't get the at-bats, man. Where are the at-bats? Yeah, Brian, you were trying to take them away. I'm looking for the at-bats, guys. I will let you know if I find them. That's what I'm saying. In the meantime, Gabriel Jesus has a question. Is Trevor Story good? Sure is. Extremely. Very good. One of the best players in baseball over the last few years. So, yeah, he's good. He's very good. Next next question here. Uh, Henrik, he says, hey, so how about... Trevor Story, eh? Uh, Henrik, yeah. How about him? Uh, I've actually been told by many people over the years of my podcasting that I have a uh, vaguely Canadian accent, which I didn't realize. But apparently I say things in a slightly Canadian way. You guys notice that? I think it's just a New England thing. They're similar. It doesn't surprise me that people say that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Because mm. you don't have the typical um, 
stereotypical Massachusetts accent, but you do have no. a way of speaking that is very deliberate, and I think that's what people associate with um, Canadians. Mm. Canadians are good people. I'm happy to be associated with them. Uh, Jake has our next question. Good name. On a scale of 1 to 10, how dumb is it that they're going to play a bad defensive shortstop at shortstop while playing a stud defensive shortstop at second base? It's absolutely absurd. Sacrificing actual wins to keep the player happy is a disgraceful way to operate. Cora and Bloom need to step up here. Um, I think we are all of the opinion that Cora will probably do his darndest to get Bogarts to move. But also, I think you have to consider the fact that Bogarts is also playing for his next contract. So it's it would be very harsh to force a guy to move off of a position that will make him more marketable, I think. What do you guys think about that? I think it's so stupid. Just calm down, dude. The thing is, people... Well, so where does that land on the scale of 1 to 10? You didn't answer his question. I will not deign to answer his question. (laughs) (laughs) We're dealing with people, man. Like, it's not... that. That is the main issue. It's like, the main important thing with getting Trevor Story on the Red Sox is not to immediately maximize value. And yes, like, ideally, sure, that is the idea but like these are people with egos and like the important thing the the umbrella important thing is just getting trevor story in the building we'll figure out the rest and as jake said alex cora is going to do his best to massage this but it's not as simple look we should know by now if it hasn't bled over to the Major League Baseball, it will. If players who get paid a lot don't want to be in their situation, they can just be like, "Guess what? I don't care. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave." Yeah, it hasn't happened in baseball a lot to this point. The point being, though, like players have egos; they need to be managed. It's not fantasy baseball, and I love fantasy baseball. Don't get me wrong, but. No, it's not a disgrace. It's just fucking life. That's that's my opinion. And Jake, to your point about he's playing for his next contract, the easy way to manage that would be like, here's your next contract, bro. Yep. But you got to go play second for it. <laughs> Completely agree. I think the, that is the the best way to operate with this is to give him the bag and ask him to move and. Uh, you know, as Brian said, though, I mean, <laughs> these are people and also it, it would be um, really foolish, I think, to take a guy who has been everything for this franchise over the last eight years and force him to move to a position he doesn't want to play in a contract year. And then also be like, hey, we're trying to sign good players here in the future. And then they'll just be like, well, what about how you treated Xander, who was pretty much perfect for eight years? And then you absolutely worked him over and made him do something he didn't want to do. Um, no one would ever sign here again. So uh, yeah. the it is not worth the squeeze, man. The juice is not worth the squeeze there. Don't squeeze Bogarts. He's a nice man. 
Uh, Fangraph Fanatic has our next question. He says, imagine thinking players being happy doesn't contribute to wins. Thank you, sir. Clubhouse culture and recruiting. Yes, yes, preach. Is part of how we got story in the first place. Baseball players are more than just numbers, also a team. Uh, I don't. So I don't know if that was a question. I think that was. Nope, that was just, a reply to Jake. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna uh, say. Which was a that wonderful. Was, that was just preach. That was just preaching. Yeah, yeah that was great. Uh, I, I love that. Um, so yeah, that that uh, is going to be the end of our questions uh, tonight. Branding uh, with the truth bomb. Yeah, that was great. I, I am very happy to end on that truth bomb. Uh, Jake, thank you for the question as well, though. Um, we do uh, appreciate that. And this has been a bit of a long episode, an hour and 10 minutes. But, uh, you know, story time can sometimes run a little bit long. And it did today. So thank you for joining us. Uh, Keaton, thank you. Brian, thank you. You can find Keaton on Twitter at the Spoken Keats. You can find Brian on Twitter at Brian Joyner, Brian with a Y, right? That's, Brian Joyner. I was wondering if you were going to do that because Matt says it all the time. Brian with a Y, Joyner with an I. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, I, I still remember that from, from, from all these years. Uh, Brian, thanks a lot, though. It was, it was fun getting you back in the mix here. And, um, you know, for all the rest of you. Stay tuned. We're going to have lots and lots of Red Sox news coming up uh, over the next few weeks. Look for us to be expanding into more shows like you're used to as well. So lots of Red Sox in your ears over the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, we'll see how the rest of the uh, spring training and and, uh, acquisitions play out. So thanks for joining us.